Hello everybody, welcome back to Nobody Left Behind. It's me, Brian. And uh, right now I am munching on a mini candy cane, so I'm not drinking anything at the moment. Um, that will that will change here shortly, but just uh, trying to work our way through a metric ton of mini candy canes here at my house. So opinion opinion on candy canes, quick. Mm, okay. Um, highly underrated candy. I especially like the combination flavored candy canes. Your uh, pina colada being one of the better ones. Um, candy canes that have the. Have you ever had the white chocolate chocolate candy canes? I have not. That sounds way too <clears throat> fancy. Yeah. So. If you want to get into your candy cane game, uh, Dylan's Candy Bar, this time of the year, if you can find them, they're in, they're in big city. I think Dallas might actually have one. Dylan, is that um, D-Y-L-A-N? It is. Fancy. It's fancy. So it's, it's one of the fancier candy stores. But yeah, I, I do believe they have the cornucopia of candy cane flavors. Um, definitely a treat during this time of year. It's not the candy corn. Hmm. Of of, of uh, equivalent of Christmas, I'm a fan of candy canes. I am too, and I forgot that I was until we bought a bunch for my daughter, and I've been sneaking some of those. Anyway, I'm a fan. Plus, a little peppermint action helps your breath, settles your tummy tum. It's good all around. It does. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I said, in my opinion, highly underrated. Um, well, while I, uh, dig through the fridge to find out what I'm going to be drinking first tonight, um, uh, Frank, what are you, how are you, buddy? Doing all right? Yeah, man, it's, things are good in the hood. Um, I did quite a bit of, um, driving today, and I'll say... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, and first off, I'm going to say I'm much less for sure, uh, promise. So, excuse me. You know how our favorite co-host Parker has some very, shall we say, rooted opinions, rooted hatred for the average driver. Okay. Yeah. I, I do too, most of the time, but today... I've got to commend the city of Austin. Great drivers. Today, today I was not cut off. It was a very stress-free driving experience for as much as I drove today. So, you know, sometimes you got to appreciate those moments, too. They don't happen often. But, yeah, so I uh, did a lot of driving today. It was a good experience driving normally. I know, Brian, when you were starting out in the beer business, you did a ton of riding slash, I don't know if you ever drove, but you did, you did a lot of riding for sure. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of driving too. Yeah. <clears throat> it, I can't imagine driving a truck in the city of Dallas is anything less than a hellish experience. At some point you just, you just give completely up about caring about other people. Like whenever <laughs> you're trying to like park or maneuver around, it's just like, this is happening. And then it, 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 it happens. I, I, well, yeah. So the, 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 the reason that I asked that was really it, it, the wife and I were on South Congress the other day and I've never seen this, but so South Congress, you, you've been to South Congress. Mm-hmm. It's, there is no parking. None. Uh, the, the, the maximum amount of parking on South, South Congress is for a, 
sedan to pull in sideways. Like most of the SUVs that do that don't really fit uh, into a parking spot that's slanted up and down the street. So I guess someone in that neighborhood was getting either several or one Maserati delivered. There were several. I don't know if all of them were going to this person. Out of the um, covered truck that was parked in the middle of the road Ooh. in the turning lane. Is that is that pretty common for... Yeah, if there's no parking on the sides and there's you're really not in a commercial area where trucks... The roads aren't really fit for trucks. Yeah, yeah, that center the center divider can be a loading unloading spot. Okay. Yeah. So it's not ideal. I mean, that's no, not ideal, but also not terrible. I I, I I'd never seen it. Um, it was honestly the first time I've seen someone use that center divider as a turning, not a not a turning lane, but a parking or loading zone, I guess. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. There were two trucks actually. I'm, I'm not. Someone in Austin got a boatload of Maseratis delivered. <laughs> There's not a Maserati dealership over there, so <laughs> it was definitely either several personal deliveries happening in the neighborhood, which is possible because that is a very stupidly expensive neighborhood, or one that had to have a lot of Maseratis back out so it could get delivered. Um, that still seems but, excessive. Yeah, it was. There were at least four, including that SUV that is butt ugly. Yeah, wow. Um, <clears throat> and if you're getting a Maserati, why the why the SUV? Like, I mean, seriously, the four door Gran Turismo. That's the car, yeah. man. If you're gonna get a Maserati, do it up. Is Maserati is also the Quattroporte, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few of those rolling around town. Yeah, they're so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say they're just Italian. It's Italian money. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Well, you know what's been very interesting, and not to sidetrack too much into car talk because that show got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> not good reviews. Not good. Well, first, first of all, how many sexual offenses do you think took place on the set of Car Talk? Are we talking about the same thing? I thought we were talking about that one episode where we talked about cars for a while. No, we're talking about car talk on NPR now. Oh, okay. Actual car talk. <laughs> the guys I have, from Baston. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't I, I don't our, think I ever will listen Bostonians. to it. That's funny. Yeah, they seem they seem real creepy. Regardless, car talk, good stuff. <laughs> NPR has finally stopped stopped airing it, but it used to be pretty good. You find them on the YouTube. On the YouTubes. So um what is your opinion on uh, Alfa Romeo? Because I've been seeing a lot of those rolling around town. Which I feel like they got picked up by a new marketing company, and uh, they're like, hey, we should go to America. And everybody's all like, what well, fuck's America? And then they just... Why? <laughs> first, first question, why? Why? I think they've also... I don't know. I, this is just speculation. I don't know. I feel like they got bought out by another company, like Volkswagen or some bullshit. And then they also picked up a new marketing firm that they were like, yeah, we do like 90% of our business in America. And Alfa Romeo was like, okay, let's try that out. <laughs> I haven't made a car outside of Europe in like, I don't know, 30 years. Let's give it a shot. I don't know, man. I, I'll be honest. I have not, I have no inkling to go test drive that. No. I don't think they're. I don't even think they look that good. They right? don't. I mean, they're notoriously. How, how fast can a car truly go with a grill intake the size of my pinky finger? 
Yeah, like they can't. They, there's no overheat. There's nothing wrong there. Notoriously, like poorly made cars. Like they're yeah. most unreliable Italian sports car ever, and that's coming from fucking a, a, a country that produces Lamborghini. Like you can buy a. a brand new Lamborghini and it comes with like a separate engine in reserve because you, they know they're, this one's going to blow up. Yeah. But nah. it's, well, it was the Jeep gray. No, the Jeep Cherokee that had the, um, the people who make, so they use the inline transmission, right? And the inline transmission originally, it originated from, uh, Formula One cars because they couldn't have a gearbox like they they needed something that shifted quicker. Well, they got them made at the same factory that makes them for Maserati. Should have been the first hint that it was going to be complete crap. I th- the Cherokee that we owned went through one and a half of those when we when we gave it back to the dealership. They needed to almost change it out again because they were so poorly made. So yeah, things with tolerances that tiny should not be made in Italy. That is just a a definite waste of uh, resources and your money. It's just going to be a frustrating experience all around. So anyways, to get to what I'm drinking tonight, I am going to be cracking open a Sam Adams winter lager when I get a chance to hop off to go grab one. But um, yeah, those are out and about on the, sh- on the shelves. Muy, muy fresh. Those things are about to go off the shelves, so drink up now. Those- yeah, and because you know, like, I don't know. Here in Texas, we have such a short time where that beer, like, I associate the Oktoberfest with a very fallish experience. And when the fall weather ends, I'm ready for like a dark amber, something real, real nice and and, and heavy. Um, well, I can so, tell you uh, why Sam Adams kind of shot themselves in the foot this year with that beer with their winter lager. They put a fucking Christmas tree on the bottle. They did. That makes it real tough to sell in like hmm, December twenty sixth and on. Ooh, I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Yeah, if you want to start a brewery, real quick, guys, uh, think about the label art that you're gonna put on your fucking bottle, and if it's gonna be something that's seasonal and it's gonna be need to go off shelves pretty quick, don't name it something that has a definite end date. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Oktoberfest, even though that is a quote-unquote style of beer. It does stop selling after October. November 1 makes it real tough to sell Oktoberfest yeah. beers. Um, no, I agree with that. Something... Well, so, yeah, apologies to anybody who still has oodles and oodles of winter lager after Christmas, because you're right. Um, I might be the only person left buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Shiner so, Cheers, another one. Like it's hilarious. You'll see like two or three stores out there with a shit ton of Shiner Cheer come mid January. They're like, <laughs> it's good still. I'm like, while that might be the case, <laughs> I would probably shy away. Nah, I mean it's um, it's good beer, but who the fuck is buying goddamn Christmas beer post Christmas? <laughs> no, for sure. It's it, it, yeah. So that's essentially me, right? Mm-hmm. I. Um, I like, I associate a lot of the beers that I drink with the weather outside and right now it's winter lager time. So I'm glad that it's, it's on the shelf and I will be consuming uh, that tonight 
and enjoying it. I did have a new IPA that I wanted to ask you about, but I also need to go get it because I totally forgot the name. Well, why don't you get it and I'll, um, up here at the house. I'll explain to the listeners what I am drinking tonight. So I am uh, sipping on, this is from Anchor Brewing Company, their Merry Christmas, Happy New Year beer. So I think it's, they call it uh, something else. I want to say it's like our Christmas ale or our Christmas beer. I don't know. It's from obviously Anchor Brewing Company. It's like the the great great grandfather of craft beer in America. Without uh, Anchor Brewing and Fritz Maytag in general, we wouldn't be in the beer industry that we're in currently without Anchor. So every year they brew this beer, our Christmas ale. It is a spiced, kind of hoppy, like and it's almost like an English dark beer uh it's very very good it's very different from what most people are used to drinking even at christmas time but it's so so very delicious uh let's see frank is holding up his ipa that he received and it's called lovely day ipa from west tone brewing white stone brewing i'm guessing that's out of austin or houston every day Lovely, lovely day. You know you're off mute now, right? I can hear yeah. your... Um, Cedar Park. College Park, Cedar Park. Yeah. Can we just quickly... I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to open this and taste it. But can we quickly give a give a big shout out? I don't... Sorry. Are you done with your bit? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Austin area high school uh, football teams. They are rolling right now. <laughs> I think there's... Out of the eight teams in the divisional semifinals, six are Austin teams. God, it's something God. crazy. Um, so they have, they have Cedar Ridge, McCollum, Lake Travis. Um, Cedar Ridge, McCollum, Lake Travis. So those are three big school districts here. Um, they had a couple other ones. I was listening to Texas High School Spotlight on my way back. Um, we got. A, you think but, we've got a lot of high school listeners? No, we don't. But it's. it's <laughs> I, I, I find it funny because you always hear of like Houston and Dallas being these massive powerhouses, and it's just yeah. It's they also awesome. Texas is large enough where it's essentially like three states worth of high schools in each A class. So they mm-hmm. do have multiple divisions, and I believe the divisions are somewhat geographically weighted. They they are the regions are the regions. No, are. I mean no. They they have straight divisions. They have like a five A division one, five A division two, and I think those are where that's what I was referencing with as far as like geographically oh, okay. divided. So it, the, it may be that there are six out of eight high schools in whatever division they're in that are Austin, which is still impressive as shit. Uh, but the, the Texas high school football is like a whole different thing down here. It's nuts. It's yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, they were, uh, and I, I don't get too into it, but I do, I do enjoy hearing about these players that are like juniors and seniors and kind of deciding where they want to go to college and how they're doing. There's some really impressive talent, but um, more importantly, it does make an incredible amount of money down here. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you see as many people with like Westlake football jerseys on and stuff that you do uh, in any other like college town. It's it's crazy. So we had was it two days ago was the thirteenth anniversary of my senior year of high school, which like the state championship game that I played in mm-hmm. my senior year. Did they send your first pension check? Um, no, I'm still claiming royalties on the like re-airing of the game, uh, so mm. that's nice. It's good. It is a classic. Uh, it is a classic. Mm-hmm. And that personal market eats it up. Yep. Uh, so anyway, thir- 13 years ago, we played in the state championship game. Our our high school had never been to the state championship before. Uh, well, in, I'm sorry, in 30 years, we hadn't been to the state championship. In the... And the way Oklahoma works, basically the semifinals and the finals are played at neutral territory. And the gate for both of those games are split 50-50 with the two teams. The gate from the semifinal game made made my high school more money in that one game than they had raised through the entire like the entire school like year's budget. It was ridiculous. And then the final, the state final game basically doubled that. So we made three years worth of like pay, like three years worth of budget in in the playoffs alone. So like the year after I left, my team like the, my high school had like new helmets, new jerseys, like redid their entire practice facility. It was ridiculous. That's pretty awesome though. But like, that's yeah. I don't, I don't know how the profits for Texas high school get split, but. They did you all play in uh, what's the Gaylord Memorial? No, we were really small. Um, the smaller schools played at just basically bigger high school fields, so we only had one home playoff game, and that was the one right after Thanksgiving. And basically, you want to have all the home, you want to have as many home playoff games. I mean, in general, it's easier, but. Uh, you also keep all the gate yourself on those games. Yeah. Uh, so after after that that third round of the playoffs, the fourth and then the finals, they were all – we actually played at the same stadium. They tried to do it in neutral, like central Oklahoma, so that if somebody up from Tulsa plays somebody from down in like Ardmore, Durant area, there's mm-hmm. like a meet-in-the-middle spot. But it ended up being both both teams had to travel further – to play at a neutral site than they would have if they had just played each other like at, a, at one of their fields. It was like all wow. both 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 teams were from you know, we were we were all all pretty close to each other geographically. So, well, that's I mean that's still much more elaborate than Minnesota high school football because Minnesota high school the football the, the state championship was three weeks ago. Yeah. This this whole Texas thing is nuts. Well, like, yeah. absolutely. Anybody play a whole season after the season. <laughs> yeah, anybody who says a college football playoff will not work needs to come down to watch Texas high school f- football. They make it work and it's good. Yeah. Like, it is good. <laughs> they make it work geographically and they yeah. make it work on shoestring budget sometimes. But yeah. it is effective and it's it's extremely exciting. People know. People eat it up. It's like, I mean, this weekend is the big weekend, right? Because next weekend, the fan base, there's half the fan base left. Yeah. So it's, it'll be big, but it'll be big for segments of the state. This weekend, most of the big towns, 
and cities still have their teams or a team in it. And people are happy to root for other teams. And like the city of Austin, right? AISD has a school. Westlake, Lake Travis. Cedar Park was in until last weekend. Like, that's the population centers of Austin. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, I mean, most of the city is into it. Yeah. Frank, you said something that interested me. The uh, playoffs in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Is it not just like Survivor Series where people like see how long they can just stay outside before they freeze and freeze to death? Or is it more like they actually play most, a football game? For most, yeah, for most teams it is. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to be from the private public schools in West Minneapolis, they now have domes. So Shut up. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Oh my god! <laughs> you understand that I played football on a football field that was built in the like 1915. I think is when it was built. It was carved out of the side realize, of a hill. You do realize that up there, they're mostly football slash track, and they don't do the slight curvature to the field mm-hmm. so that you're always running downhill right yeah it's also for drainage purposes yeah they, <laughs> yeah, they don't have that so oh. um there's there are some significant differences between football up there and down here the f- the field being just one of them ah see i think that's ridiculous man i i, I couldn't imagine playing football where it was like i wanted it's fucking cold in Minnesota is what I'm trying to get at. I couldn't imagine trying to play football in high school and it's that cold. I think there's a temperature when you realize like, fuck this. This is a game. This is not worth it. This is not, I'm going inside. I'm just going inside. You, you guys take it easy. This is, I'm done. It's, it's ridiculously cold. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even going to lie. We played, uh, a lot of rugby in, March, you start okay. So, rugby, this is going to be this is hilarious. February, right, is when rugby starts up there. It starts in February in the gym because there's still ice on the ground, mm-hmm. then ends in about third week of May or so. Mm-hmm. And by then, right, you're outside on the field, but for the first two to three weeks of rugby practice you are practicing in a gym uh trying not to freeze your ass off and then you go out in march and the fields it could still snow in march so at that point you you might be practicing while it's snowing but it's it's nuts that sounds like so much fun i'm shaking my head in disagreement it's a great time (laughs) (laughs) well in in oklahoma we we used to start baseball in january february and it would be in indoors like almost exclusively because it is just miserably cold or like wet for no reason like we don't get snow all the time but it's constantly wet and cold i'm like cool it's like pneumonia weather a hundred percent of the time this is just great Mm -hmm. anyway to uh Keep it on Oklahoma just for a second longer. I wanted to, uh, wanted to tell y'all are we, a little. Are we getting into a brewery review? Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Are you ready for it? So, ready. Uh, myself and Mrs. Brian went up to Oklahoma City this past weekend 
for a uh, a special brewery release at Rufftail Brewing Company in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Midwest City is, I mean, it's it, they technically on the east side of Oklahoma City, so you figure out how they came up with the name, but uh, it is a brewery that's fairly small. Uh, not many people are gonna are going to have uh, are going to know about it. As far as breweries in Oklahoma, they are definitely not prairie. Uh, <laughs> they're, but they're getting there. And here's why I say that. So they have like prairie when they came onto the scene, they really nailed down their stouts and their Belgian style ales. So the farmhouse ales that were and still are pretty pretty popular. They nailed down those styles, and that's what made them popular. Rufftail Brewing has like gone through like a little bit of an identity change. So they used to make West Coast IPAs. As a matter of fact, I think I reviewed Hoptometrist on here early on in the No Beer Left Behind days. Uh, they used to make basic standard beers. Nothing too crazy, just pretty good beers. So they started they they picked up on a craze a uh, trend in beer in the New England IPAs the hazy IPAs the juicy IPAs whatever you want to call them that style of beer they took that and ran with it they created a beer called everything rhymes with orange and everything rhymes with orange which i think i reviewed on here and frank you actually tried it when you came uh, last time to to visit everything rhymes with orange is a classic New England IPA and it's it's great it, when you smell it, it smells like orange juice, looks kind of like orange juice, and it tastes like oranges. It's it's pretty amazing. And to know that they get those flavors out of just hops, it's it's a, it's a ridiculous. Well, it, it looked like orange juice. Oh, the one that when I showed the one that yeah. I showed the other night? That one was a little bit different. That had a little something extra. That's the beer that drove me to Oklahoma City. So that beer that I posted on Instagram Monday night or Sunday night, Sunday night, it was everything rhymes with orange milkshake and milkshake IPA is a new trend that's coming out uh, with the a variation of a new England style IPA. And what that is, is lactose sugar added to the beer during the boil. So there's some residual sweetness that does not ferment. So it's left in the beer. And what you get is this turbid smoothie looking it's orange orange juice. Frank called it exactly what it, it looked like a glass of orange juice. It, 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 I mean, it looked like a pulpy orange juice glass. Like, <laughs> but, it, it was crazy. And the flavors that came out of that beer were just flat out amazing. So that is one of that is the big reason that uh, I drove to Oklahoma City last weekend was to try that beer. It was only going to be a, a brewery release only. They were only selling crawlers of it. You could, weren't packaging it. I wanted to try it. I wanted to get my hands on it. I knew what the base beer was. I want to learn more about this style because it's a style that interests me. A lot of people don't even acknowledge that that style of IPA is an IPA. So I want to, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it. So drove, dragged my happy ass up there, stood in line with a bunch of drunk assholes for about an hour and a half before I got my hands on any of the beers. And uh, decided while I was there, I've waited this long, let's just grab a pint while we're here. Because they have a little bitty tasting room, and it is a tiny tasting room. Maybe seven tables with four people, where four people can you know, kind of cram in together at each table. Uh, and of course, it was just packed P2V. Uh, they had people lining up at 9 o'clock in the morning, getting numbers. 
so that they can come back in and stand in line at 11:45. It was is ridiculous, okay? And the 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 quality of people there were they could be higher. We got stuck. There was a guy who came behind us who I literally I just wanted to beat the shit out of the entire time that we were standing there. And I usually don't have these visceral emotions that cross over me. But the man was sitting back there drunkenly yelling about his white privilege and how hard his white privilege was. And he was just raging for his ability to use his white privilege power. And I was like, you know what? I really want to see what the inside of your skull looks like right now. (laughs) Like, I really, really do. But sober heads prevailed. And I didn't knock him out. Uh, But it was really funny when uh, they started combing the lines, making sure people had their numbers and making sure there were no issues. And they came out. We were getting close to stepping inside the door. They came out and just kind of talking to us. And old dickbag behind me started popping off and saying something. And he put his hand on my arm. While he was talking, just kind of drunkenly stabilizing himself, he's like just making an asshole out of himself. And just turn around, like, "Don't fucking touch me, bro." <laughs> he goes, "Oh, oh my god, I'm I'm so sorry. I just he just walked away. Like he just walked out of line." I was like, "That's all it fucking took. That's all this took wow. was just someone to tell him to just get away. Like he's done for like thirty minutes or so." And of course, he came back while we like it was just a, a mess. Outside of that douchebag, and it really was just that one douchebag, it was a great experience. I've never been, I've never stood in line for beer. Haven't done it. I refuse to do it. Can I have on a principle of not doing it? Uh, I, you know, I think it's a good principle. I feel like beer should be had by all, honestly. Like, don't make it an exclusive thing. However, after experiencing that, I see why people gravitate toward that. It's an event. It's it's a it's a happening. It's an like it's something to do with people who share similar likes, dislikes. Yep. It's it's honestly it's just a social event, and that's I feel like is why a lot of people choose to stand in line for beer, because the issue was not exclusivity in that if you knew about it and you had the means to get there and the means to purchase the beer, you could purchase the beer. They had plenty of beer to go around, which I think was a a great a great thing. They had four different beers that they released at the tap room only on Saturday. All four of the beers were left at the end of the like when I left at about two o'clock, and they weren't expecting to have any left at all. So wow. it, it it was, and it wasn't like they they didn't have anybody show up. I think there were like two hundred and fifty people there. So it was just that people, I mean, they, they produced the right amount of product. The other cool thing yeah. was, Frank, and I kind of wish uh, we, had, we had some other No Beer Left Behind people there, was that uh, I got to talking to, I got to complimenting random people wearing rough tail brewing gear and uh, happened to compliment the right person who happened to be the head brewer at Rough Tail, <laughs> who uh, lives in Stillwater and drives down to Midwest City every day. Uh, wow. To brew beer five days a week for Rough Tail. The dude is commitment. Uh, well, I mean, if you taste this beer, you you know you know what's what's going on there. 
he brews a fantastic beer and it wasn't just like a one and done or like a variation of the same thing over and over again. And it's, it's good every time. One of the beers that they had there was one of his creations and it's called Christmas IPA. And it's a beer with, it's a a hazy IPA with vanilla, some spices, a little cinnamon, a little nutmeg, a little this, a little that, and fruitcake. (laughs) <laughs> they used fruitcake. Yeah, they used fruitcake either in the boil or in the mash. I'm not sure what. The pictures that I saw were a little sketchy, and the way he was talking about it, still it was very unclear as to where the fruitcake went in. But I think they used about 10 pounds of fruitcake in the making of the beer. And <laughs> someone get, get got keys ready to go at your house right now? Is that what we're... I, my wife is cleaning tack, and it's very loud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gents, Frank usually records this podcast from his like back patio or out in the garage, but it's a titbit nipply down there in Austin, yeah. so Frank's trying to avoid frostbite and, and stay inside. Mrs. Frank is uh just trying to just trying to do a little just trying to do a little work in the kitchen. Being introduced to how a microphone works apparently. <laughs> oh my god. Ladies and gents, Frank might die on on mic tonight. It's gonna be great. Live on air. Um, All right. Anyway, so, yeah, so, that, so, so that, a quick question on the fruitcake edition. Yeah. So adding fruitcake to a beer, there's a lot that goes on in a fruitcake. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah there are is. they sure they're they're churning out a shelf-stable beer? Well, that is funny you mentioned shelf-stable. And I want you to admit to the people that you didn't – I didn't prompt you to ask that question. Did, did I? No. Okay. No. So the way, it, it, t, t, the short answer to your question is, it'll be shelf stable. My guess is it probably went in the mash, and there's little to no, like fruit cake that's actually going to make it through to the finished product. The flavoring okay. maybe will come through, especially the fruity stuff. But, but, but you have to understand if is if something gets added in the mash of a beer, it then gets boiled for at least sixty minutes. So anything that is unstable is then sterilized and anything that is like highly flavorful is one of two things. It's either volatized and blown off in the boil process or it's intensified. It's like a distilled down version of those flavors. There are very few things that will, that will do that in beer. And of those things, you probably don't want to add any of them to, (laughs) to your mash anyway. So it's, it's rare that something that's added in the mash actually comes through fully. It's more of a, like, they said it couldn't be done, so here we are. And he did it and made a, a fantastic beer. The cool part about yeah. this beer is that um, it it doesn't it doesn't taste like an IPA, um, which was one of the one griping points that some <laughs> that some guys uh, there that we met there in the tap room had was like I wouldn't call it an IPA. It doesn't have an IPA flavor. I'm like, well, it does if you're looking for a hazy or like a juicy IPA. It has has some really cool flavors. Uh, Celis Citrus Grandee from Austin. That beer, when I first tasted it, it had this weird, like, funky vanilla chamomile aroma that came off of it that you would think, like, oh, it's an added flavor, an added spice. No. It's just what happens when you add hops late into the boil and in the whirlpool. So to answer your question about shelf stability, yeah, that is a question that I left with 
entirety, like like in in all of the beers that I had, was how shelf stable are any of these beers because they don't add hops to the boil, like for bittering hops. They only add them in the last like five minutes in Whirlpool, which classic to the style. But there is a long how long does it last? There is a long held brewing tradition that uh, bittering hops also act as an antioxidant to the other flavors in the beer <laughs> and will help preserve the, uh, like basically lengthen the shelf life of, uh, of beers. However, the one thing that Rough Tail has going for it is that their beers don't stay around on the shelf long enough for anybody to find out <laughs> because <laughs> they're the size that they are. They produce what they can sell and they sell what people can drink. And that is like the perfect sweet spot for a brewery right now. So, with all that said, that's important. You got especially when you you rely on people coming to the brewery mm-hmm. quite a bit too to experience the product. You, you got to be able to draw them in. Got to have more than one beer that people want to drink. It it, I had a blast. Uh, we went with our friend Jay, who uh, has been on the podcast a, a couple times. Jay's a big fan of their beers, and uh, dude, to see his face light up when he was sitting back there in the midst of the fermenters in the in the brewery while all those other shills were up front drinking their beers at the tap room jay was like climbing through you know fermentation tanks and looking at canning lines and listening to the head brewer talk about the beer to see his face i was like this is dope like just the fact that i could talk my way into this situation and get him on board with this it was the whole trip was worth it yeah. Uh, then the head of marketing even saw head of marketing for Rufftail even saw Jay just last night uh, out at a bar. Jay went over to him, you know, said hi, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you were the Nambla guy." I'm like, cool, 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 cool. cool. <laughs> like, it's no beer left behind. We're all aware of that, right? Like, we, we all know that we're listening to no beer left behind. No, there's nobody listening going that Nambla podcast is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> what we're known as (laughs) one one minor like not 100 percent anti-nambla conversation later and now we're listed as the nambla podcast that's great it's uh, listen gotta be careful you can still hear the train inside your house frank yeah it's when it gets cold sound travels yeah. Yep. There it is. Gets a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more of the the sound going through the air. So, I feel like the the train engineer boosted up the horn tonight. It he just turned it could, up. Yeah, that's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. It's like I feel like Frank's not in outside, so gotta make sure I get my hear my spike. Do you think the train conductor is a listener on No Beer Left Behind? Well, for sure is. He's got long commute. Know. Got a long commute. You know, well, the, the for sure the 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 train driver demographic is one of our fastest growing drunk cast. The drunk demographic is that part of? <laughs> well, they might they may or may not may or may not be drunk. I've always heard trains just sort of stay on the tracks. We don't really know why these people have jobs. That is a good point. Um, I mean, just like it's 100% preventable. Like you cannot die in a train crash by just not standing on the train tracks. Like I, it, it, it's worked for me so far. And I mean. I'm no scientist, but. 
pretty close <laughs> to being fact. Oh, I feel man. as though that's just the uh, the middle of the road, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where I was going. With that. <laughs> I don't Regardless. know either. I was confused. We're on um, train tracks and the road. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So quick thing. Um, I I feel like there's this the scam out there and we need to like just inform people. Is this okay? going to be a Bitcoin bit again? It's, <laughs> no, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be Bitcoin. Okay. It's um, so, I mean, you know, you know, Brian, I'm a, I, I, I like my shoes, right? Okay. And I'm, I'm a fan of certain types of shoes and I'm particular now tonight. Like I've, I've been in the market for some boots, but I haven't been in them. Like it takes me a while to like get, a pair that I like that I'll want to buy and right. It, it, it takes a while. Okay. So walking around, stumble upon a store tonight that looked like they had nice, nice shoes, right. Made in the USA. Now, if, if you know me, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Allen Edmonds. If you like need a couple pairs, like every guy should own a couple pairs of nice dress shoes that'll last them forever. Allen Edmonds can't go wrong. They'll repair, resole, do everything to your shoe for $50 for as long as you own them. There are people that have had them for literally 40 or 50 years, and they still look pretty much brand new um, because they take care of them. So for the price, very, very good shoe, very good company that make the shoe correctly. I go into this store, and also the salesman – and salespeople are very, very well informed about shoe construction, which we'll get to is very important. Okay. So you're in there, right? I go to the store. It's called Fryer, I think. Fryer or Fire. It's an um, Fry, Fry. It's an American shoe company. Um, yeah, folks, don't bother. Uh, they're going to charge you as much as an Allen Edmonds, as much as a, a, a testoni like some of the, some of the nicer handmade shoes and their shoe construction is cement sold shoes okay i'm sorry no, okay there it is so um in in shoemaking there are three different ways that they can attach a sole to what they call the upper right and the upper part is the leather so there's one method of construction of construction called the Blake stitch and the Blake stitch is a premium um, reasonable way to construct a shoe. It's not, it's not the best way to construct a shoe, but it's also not the worst way, worst sort of way to do it. Right. Blake stitch means you can replace the, the bottoms. The only thing that stinks about a Blake stitch is when you take it into a, a cobbler, they need to have a specific machine to take the shoe apart and, and re sole your shoe. But it can be resold. It's normally more expensive because that machine is expensive and it's only used for that purpose. Then you have cemented on shoes. Cemented literally just means glued on outer soles oh. with a stitch. Okay? Glued on outer soles with a stitch through them is what you'd expect from a shoe probably anywhere from 50 to 190 to $200. Okay? You're not going to be able to replace the soles. That's fine. Those shoes definitely have a purpose, Right? Um, but they're, they're not lifelong shoes. You will have to replace those shoes and there's nothing they can do to fix the soles if they're busted. Then you have the correct way of making a shoe, 
That's called the Goodyear welt. Okay. Now, Goodyear welted shoes are uh, very waterproof, very durable, completely replaceable. They have cork bottoms. So when you see shoes being made and you see that steam rising from the hot cork that they put put on the shoe, that's that's the Goodyear welt. Okay. So this lady or this brand was selling cemented shoes, so glued on bottoms, for the same price as Goodyear Welt. And that is insulting, okay? So you go in, you try to buy a pair of boots, your budget, let's say your budget's $250, $300. She was selling them for 300 when the most that she could probably expect for those shoes based on the fact that the construction's terrible is like 150 bucks. So moral of the story here, know how shoes are made. You're going to save yourself a lot of money in the long run. Always ask the question. Always be willing to pay for the nice shoes if you can afford it, because in the long run, you will save money. I know it's hard to believe, but you will save a ton of money uh, if you have to wear dress shoes every day, because they, if, if they're poorly made, you'll buy a new pair two or three times a year. So, I mean, I think you hit on something that, like, 0.1% of our audience really had any idea on uh, prior to you explaining that to us. Not saying there's Fair anything, not saying there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. I had no idea. One, that's like, I mean, I could figure out that cement soles really didn't mean that there's a piece of freaking concrete in there and that... Uh, <laughs> like, these things are fucking heavy. Yeah, I don't just like them. Cement. That is what it is. Yeah, that's, it makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. But it is, uh, it, it, I, I guarantee you that like maybe two of our listeners were like, Frank, preach it, bro. I understand it. I hear what you're saying. Everyone well, else, now, everyone else had to get at their pen and paper and they were like, shit, I got to Next time I go to Foot Locker, I'm going to start asking them some questions. I'm going to get to the bottom of Big Shoe. You know what I mean? We're... Well, just know. Okay, so so I understand I understand the topic in and of itself. Not the most exciting thing. No, but not, not that it's not you, exciting. The, well, there, there are tons of people, right, that go pay money for shoes. And they spend a lot. Like this lady was selling boots for the exact same – no, sorry, $50 cheap, cheaper than the place next door – that when I went into the store, the lady could explain to me exactly how the shoes were made. Um, she uh, confirmed that they were good Goodyear Welt shoes. Um, so if you if you it, just ask the question, if they say Blake Stitch or Goodyear Welt, and you're paying more than two hundred dollars for the shoe, uh, I would definitely go Goodyear Welt. If they're saying Blake Stitch in cement, and the shoes between like a hundred to two hundred fifty bucks. I would lean towards the Blake Stitch shoe. Anything under 150 is probably going to be cement. And that's okay. All of those shoes have their place. If you're getting tuxedo shoes because you just need them for a couple weddings, don't go buy Goodyear welts. You're, <laughs> you're never going to wear them enough. Um, just, yeah, be sure you don't get scammed because scamming with shoes is very easy. And them sons of bitches. It sucks when you get scammed. I, I I hate it. I hate it. I hate it bad. God damn you, big shoe, is what I say. Um, I'm trying to kill some time while our special he, guest is. He's in a hotel room. What is he doing tonight? I have no idea. Oh, he's on the. He's on a very important call. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I think that's diamond and silk. 
Yeah, coming into his room as we speak. Yep, there, there they are. A couple handsome, Uh, handsome gentlemen that he has coming in the uh hotel room tonight. Yep. Oh, stretching out for it. Pants. That's oof. (laughs) That is a log, ladies and gentlemen. So what we're talking about is Parker taking a phone call in a hotel room whilst on our, our yeah. line. Frank, uh, I saw you well, just... Well, we're just like he's still not here. Yeah, um, it looks like you just finished up that uh, Whitestone IPA. How was it? Yeah, I was just going to say, so I'm IPA'd out, man. Like, it's... It, there's There's just not much you can do with this beer that hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that they try, just they don't add to it. There, it's just like, I, how would I explain it? You know, you know when they say, like, simpler sometimes is better, mm-hmm. right? I feel as though we've reached the over experimentation of the IPA world. And at this point, I just want a simple IPA, and I'm fine with it. Like, I'm just done with all of this, like, bells and whistles, looking like a Christmas tree out there, IPA business. Because, <laughs> I mean, this year, right, the advent of the juicy IPA. I'm over it. I'm over it. Just give me an IPA. Go brew something else that you haven't brewed before. Give that to me, and I'll be excited. But I'm I'm done with this. So are you done with, with juicy IPAs, or are you done with – like West Coast IPAs. The reason I bring it up is because I I have felt this way about India Pale Ales for quite some time in that like simpler is in fact better. The fewer malts you use, the fewer variations of hops that you use in each individual beer, the more interesting the beer actually becomes. Mm-hmm. You don't have all these competing flavors. You have this like kind of cool, like crisp, dry cleanness. But with like so a juicy IPA, the reason that it gets like it gets my attention, and for a beer to get my attention or a beer style to get my attention, it's rare, uh, is because I know that there is no fruit added to a beer. But even a layperson who has never tasted a beer before can taste a, a hazy IPA and be like, "Well, it tastes like grapefruit rind, like grapefruit peel," and it it does. It only comes from hops. It doesn't come from any other flavor added into the beer. There's no extra bells and whistles to it. That's what gets me going. Now, with that said, I'm done with people fruiting their shit. Stop fruiting your IPAs. Just stop it. Just stop. I'm. I can't do I, it. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I. I'm. I'm in total agreement. I can't do it. I. I'm. I'm done with it. I. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it doesn't just go for the IPAs. It goes for, I mean, respect to Rough Tail. I'm sure it was good. The seasonal, like, fruitcake. I saw a chocolate chip cookie ale the other day. Like, man, just let's let's find other styles of beer. The beer catalog is one of the deepest and widest ranging things in, in like, the alcohol, right? Like, it's it's... We've been making beer for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And this is why I respect Dogfish Head for their once a year crazy brew. Wait. Go find something that people haven't made in a century. Try to deduce what was done and and make it. Like bring us it bring history back. That and, and that stems from like 
that stems from Dogfish Head having the resources to do a beer like that and beers like that. For a, mm-hmm. a smaller brewery to go out and, and dig up a, a dead style, it is really hard to do on a production level. It's easy to do on a homebrew level, um, but the risk-reward there is nil on homebrew. <laughs> when you do yeah. it as a small brewery and you dump all your eggs into that one basket, it's tough. I will say, uh, down in your market, Frank, it is it's a weird place to be. Because you do have a lot of small breweries who take advan- like standard styles and make so many variations on it that it just muddies down the entire category of beer. The the need what you said about like pick a different style and go with it, that's something that I like I enjoy doing as a home brewer. Like without me brewing my own beer, I would have never found out that I liked wit beer as much as I do. I yeah. would never would have found out. But I, I freaking love that style of beer. Um, the, it, it's, but, but that's it, it, that. It, yeah, that's exactly the point. I mean, it's just like I, I was okay. I was at Yard House today. It, it how how like truly how many ways can you do? I mean this. Yeah, I've made my point. It's like, <laughs> there's just not that many ways that you can do a lot of these styles and still have them be good. That so, so and I I will say this, and I told I told my cousin and frequent listener of the show Cody, actually I think we even sponsored Cody the last time he raced. Um, <laughs> that was our only did. our only external sponsorship I think we've ever had uh, was through Cody's racing. Oh, it's bound team. to continue. Cody, reach out. Well, New season I, coming out. I think Cody's done. He had a bit of an accident, broke his tailbone. Anyway, um, it's okay. Cody will sponsor you in retirement. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cody sent me a text. He did some traveling in Colorado and was like. Uh, you send me all these little the pictures of breweries that he visited. He's like, there's so many little breweries out here. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. You know, every town has its own like little watering hole. And he was like, yeah, the beer sucks though. <laughs> and I think that may be where you're experiencing some of your fatigue, Frank, your style fatigue is that yeah. the, there are people out there who just aren't brewing good beer. Uh, they're just not doing it. And when you say, like, how many different ways can you make a style? About a trillion. You can really dissect and hone in on flavors and pull out flavors, subdue flavors, add different things, add different ingredients to a, to a style of beer, and literally create different flavors inf- almost infinitely within yeah. a style category. However, if you don't make good beer, it's not going to taste good. It's going to taste like doo-doo. And you're gonna ha- you're gonna drive your consumer base absolutely nuts because you're going into a a a, a bar and spending eight dollars on a pint that comes out tasting like dog shit. And you're like, I'm fucking done. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I think that's I, an important piece that people need to like that brewers and suppliers need to understand is that there are people like Frank who are about done with you, and when you lose people like Frank, we've got a serious problem on our hands. I, yeah, that's true. Um, it's ruined your whole life. Hey, part three. Right. <laughs> it's it's definitely frustrating that the yeah the different varieties of beer are they're 
they're not as interesting as I think they were initially. I just like I'm done with IPAs. I'm not gonna buy one for a couple months. What? Yep. <clears throat> you missed the whole thing. That's fine. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Do you guys know what I had for my very first time tonight? Oh my gosh. Your first blowjob does not count. Butt sex with a man. <laughs> we were talking about diamond and silk that were in your room earlier. Huh. Um, no, <laughs> first Ballast Point Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. Yeah. Oh, almost the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like butt sex. Mm-hmm. That's close. Less poop, but yeah. Some circles. What did you What did you think of it? Dude, I I really loved it. I had three of them. Have you had wow. Have you had Sculpin by itself? Like just regular Sculpin? Yes. Uh, because you had sent uh, You had sent some up in that care pack. Oh yeah, that's right. I got I from Billum. So how are you feeling right now after three of those? Um, uh, sorry, I take that back. I had two of those and one um, house beer, uh, ate at BJ's Brew House or Brew Pub or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I had one. Of, I had a uh, red ale of theirs, and Fair it right. was so so. It wasn't. I. Where are you? I didn't are you in? For it. Are you in Houston again? Uh, I was. I'm in Oklahoma City now. Oh, okay. I was in Dallas last night. Wait, wait, wait. Are you in the Sheraton, Oklahoma City Hotel? No. no. Which hotel are you in? A Holiday Inn Express. Oh, yeah. What? You're a great surgeon, you. <laughs> He's the real Ben yeah. Carson of his industry. Was, fuck you. I was going to say, you can call me Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> I got, okay, just so we're clear, you said fuck you because I stole your joke that I had no, no line of sight to. <laughs> exactly. But apparently that's uh, the only brain surgeon that, that any of us know. So I don't even think yeah. he's a is he a brain surgeon. Brain I thought he was a pediatric surgeon. Just that we don't know more brain surgeons than Carson. <laughs> We're all gonna die because no one apparently knows a brain surgeon. Only, well, well, I'd hope you don't have ten on speed dial. <laughs> Guys, I went through a phase in my life. <laughs> if you're in the market for HUD housing, though, go see Ben Carson. Get you taken care of. Do you think That's right. do you think Ben Carson is gonna like the when Omarosa left the White House this morning oh, everyone turned everyone turned to Ben and was like, Well you're gonna have to pull double duty, Benny because <laughs> you're gonna no, have actually, to be Jeff Sessions turned around so it's about that time, ain't it, Ben? Ben asked the simple question of what are we guys doing for lunch? And Jeff Sessions said, back the way you came. And everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, what? <laughs> the real Beauregard around here. <laughs> Finally now, this, now listen, Jeff, we don't want no trouble around here, okay? That's right. <laughs> but seriously, he's, he's a fucking racist. He's a fucking racist. Rick Perry's dumbass. You're going to have to be more specific. You You're going to have to be more specific as to what he's done lately. Yes. He's in the EPA. He is the idiot. I mean, I, did, I don't know. I just uh, recently watched a montage uh, of his recent fuck-ups, and it's just like, wow. He's a humiliating person. He's, He's garbage human. This, this lamp that you guys see behind me is more intelligent than him. He's That's really true. the Baker Mayfield of politics. Actually, no, because Baker so, Mayfield can throw a football. That's true. Um, did 
did everybody know before I said earlier today that Greg Abbott is paralyzed because a tree fell on him? Swear to God. I did not know that. Swear to God, I thought he got into a car accident and sued the driver. That's how he got all of his money. Turns out. And not... he did get all of his money by suing. Yes. <laughs> we thought he got in a real like Hollywood type movie shootout. No. Jumping over a couch. Yes. No. He did. That was the jumping over a couch. <laughs> Dick Van Dyked himself into a paralysis. Yeah. No. It's good. Are we wrapping? <laughs> Parker, so, what are you reading? Sorry, I had to go grab another beer. <laughs> well, I and I was trying to read, and I'm not. I can't read. So, oh, uh, okay. what am I drinking? That talent. Look at this, Franklin. Oh my gosh, a big 18 pounder, huh? That's a 16 ouncer, buddy. Or 16. 18 pounder. pounder? <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't it even like make sense. <laughs> okay. Can I can I just do some like road based humor here? Okay. Uh, okay. Hotel phones. What are they good for? Okay. In your uh, ordering room service. That's it. Calling the that's front it. desk or to complain setting. about your neighbors. If you're lazy and Uber isn't working and you want a taxi, that's another purpose. Uh, I haven't used a taxi in fuck five years. Anyhow, um, do you still use Uber? Are you yes, Are I you do. still okay? Uh, we're I'm still okay with their their philosophies and how they run their business. Oh, yeah. Treated their employees. Anyways. Them lying to you about getting your data stolen. It's all good. Setting setting a wake-up call. Damn it, they're so efficient. They got a good product, man. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many other options, my friend. You don't need to use Uber. (laughs) You lazy bastard. That means I got to go to the Google Play Store and download Lyft. Yes. Do that immediately. Much better. Use a promo code MBLB and you'll receive nothing. So you got that going for you. you. (laughs) (laughs) No results found. Um, No. So I said a wake up call earlier, right? Sometimes I still do that. They are useful for that. But then at that rate, you might as well just set the alarm clock. Um, but the fact that literally in like, so I set the wake up call and then, you know, it goes into the, where I can check my fucking voicemails <laughs> or change my greeting. And I'm like, who does that? You know, who change? I, that was a thing in 1994. Change well, your greeting. Yeah. Well, that's handy. Know. Once I get to the hotel, I'll give you my, uh, my room phone number. And so here's, yeah, here's, okay. So. Do you even think people did that in 1994? I do think that they did that. Yeah, you really do. Cell phone technology. I know my dad did when he used to. Uh, be my a, parents did too. When he used to travel, he, my dad used to sell curtain rods and curtain rod accessories. Um, Regular planes, trains, and automobiles. But yeah, yeah, that was the that was a favorite around the house. Uh, but he he would he would go in and he would change his change the greeting on the like voicemail or whatever the freaking uh god the old tape with the why can uh, i you've reached tom's curtain rods and curtain rods accessories yeah <laughs> no you haven't you've reached the holiday inn <laughs> yeah this is not your mobile office yeah. He puts on a different voice. Sorry that Tom couldn't come to the phone right now. He's extremely busy doing curtain rod stuff. 
Set up a wake up call, press four. <laughs> this is definitely not the holiday inn. So we, he, he would do all that and then he would call he would call my mom and be like, The numbers blah 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 room deep de doo ba doo and then he's like, I'll talk to you later. And he just hang up. I'm like, you better have your pen and paper ready. Because that shit was, that was gospel. Because that was the only way you were talking to dad. You weren't going to reach him any other way. You can't, you didn't have a pager. You didn't have a cell phone. It was just ridiculous. So, I mean, that's pretty diligent though. Well, I'd have to, I, I have to commend people that do that. Because I, I don't even properly set my cell phone's voicemail. <laughs> yeah. Now, dude, yeah. If you had to record a new, well, you don't even clear your voicemail box. I there was a time when Parker couldn't receive voicemails for literally five years. Like, yeah, it always said this person's mailbox is full, and it was that way until you got a new phone. I'm guessing because when you had that BlackBerry, I'm positive in the first month that mailbox got filled up. And not a single voicemail was left beyond that. <coughs> You're right. They're, they're, they're worthless. And you can shoot somebody a text and convey exactly what you were going to via voicemail. Oh, so out of principle, you wouldn't clear it. It was. Now, my, my work cell phone is, is different, certainly. I check mm. those. But, uh, you know, because customers are less prone to just text you like in a good old buddy old pal, right? <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think that was ever a thing. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure you convinced yourself that was a thing. It was never a thing. Uh, what? The 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 cell the the room the room phone, I will say, is a game changer if you I'm just gonna put this scenario out there. Oh come into your hotel room drunk one night, plug your phone in across the room, turn it on silent, and then uh fall asleep in the middle of the bed with all your clothes on. And then when that room phone rings, it's very different than the 18 alarms that you've slept through and the like myriad of phone calls and and voicemails and text messages that you never heard because your phone was on silent. That room phone rings, it's like there it might as well be a fucking fire alarm that goes off in that room. Because <laughs> you're just like, I don't know what this is. This is foreign. Nothing is right. Something is wrong here. I can't do this. Like I have to, I have to wake up. I mean, and I have to figure out what's going on. on. So, Brian, is this a Michigan story? Yes, this is exactly what happened in Kalamazoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on, I've got like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. It it, it it happens, and I will say, <laughs> if there's only one reason to have a phone <laughs> in every room, it paid off that morning. I mean, I was still late and missed the fucking bus, but at least I was awake. I think I might still be asleep in Kalamazoo that my fucking phone not gone off. <laughs> That's, I mean, that is, yeah, that That's that a reason. quite the business trip. <laughs> 100% business, Frank. That was a late Monday night business is what it was. <laughs> business in the front, party in the front, man in the back. <laughs> Party out the back is what it turned into. Yeah. It was a rough next party day. Party out the mouth. Hey, guys, um, I got the uh, jumbo-sized handicap room tonight. I'm pretty excited Ooh, about that. shit. Ooh, so much room. That's a nice shower. Choice. Oh, so yeah. much room. Dude, you could have a whole marching band in here. <laughs> well, you could have a marching band in wheelchairs. Gre- a marching band of Greg Abbott's, if you will, could come through your hotel room. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you and Greg Abbott can split the room. <laughs> well, I did have two beds. <laughs> should have invited him up. Yeah. Well, then you might have to actually bathe him. That'd be rough. Oh, he just comes in. Hey, Parker, I need you to wipe my ass. And you come in there, you wipe his ass, and he's like, ah, I could have done it myself. I just want to see if you'd do it. <laughs> just starts Actually, fucking with I you. walk when I'm in my hotel. <laughs> he gets up and starts tap dancing. You're like, you motherfucker. And he's like, you're never going to tell. You're never going to fucking tell. Because you're going to be dead by the time you leave this. He reminds yeah. me of the mayor on uh, Family Guy. The mayor oh, or God, Joe? No, Joe. The, the corrupt politician. Oh. Uh, like, sleeping with Meg. Like, <laughs> you know, he's, he's just corrupt as can be. Haven't seen that episode? Uh-huh. Uh, so wait, you're mean to tell me an older gentleman who's in politics is sleeping with a teenager on that show? I know. Get the fuck out. Oh. <laughs> that show was so ahead of its time. It was. You guys remember doing South that part? It was cool. <laughs> What about South Park? The South Park episode, whenever it was like, it was like a, when Tiger Woods thing came out, and they were like, "No way, you guys are telling me that this rich, middle-aged man, you know, was sleeping around with his wife, kid, you know, like they couldn't fathom it or whatever." <laughs> just re- restating also, the story. <laughs> what? <laughs> just restating the story of Tiger Woods and his misbehaviors. Yeah, yeah. but. Also the other night in Houston, actually turned in, turned the TV on, and it was the dog, the bounty home, bunny, dog, the bounty hunter episode. <laughs> no, dog, the bunny hunter sounds good too. I would watch that. No, whatever. It was like Cartman was dog, and he had carried the bear maze. Yeah. Go It was the same episode that uh, uh, Kyle's little brother was sleeping with the kindergarten teacher. That, nice. That hot. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, so she claimed the alcohol, or that she was an alcoholic, and then they just let her out of jail, like get out of jail free card. Uh, it's funny we were talking about Greg Abbott. The uh, teacher sex thing came up because Greg Abbott's been going off on uh, the number of Texas teachers who are accused of sexual act, like lewd acts with children. He's like, it's becoming an epidemic. I'm like, mm. it's just less hot girls getting accused of having sex with children and more like dudes and normal looking girls having sex with children. Same number <laughs> hasn't changed. It's the hot factor that's got your attention. Right. You're like, not getting as many boners this year as I have been in the past. Uh, mm. Something's got to be done about this. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Also disgusting. Just so we're clear. Awesome. Not, not. Um, Frank, since uh, since we had to let Troy go from his uh, fact checking position, um, you said something earlier that I'm going to have to call you out on. Uh, Rick Perry is not in charge of the EPA. No, he's the energy he's department. Of the, yeah, Department of Energy. I was like, yeah. wait a second, that's I, Scott I Pruitt. Yeah, I tried to throw in the correction, but we kind of just steamrolled uh, past the whole thing. We but just yes, buried right. it on page 15. Yeah. Hey, it's um, you are correct. It's got an E in it. The E stands for energy, right? Mm. Yep. Am I right? No. It's got to be right. Agency, wrong. I've already said it. An environment is created by sun energy. So you're welcome. Yeah. Energy Protection and Agency. The whole environment can also be destroyed by nuclear energy that Rick Perry's dumbass is in charge of. Oh, he's in charge of. Oh, God. The nuclear arsenal. Well, that's sobering. Ne- 
Well, waste disposal. God, hold on. There's there's the uh, nuclear football and the nuclear triad. Remember, we invent these large words that are really intimidating, so that everybody gets really nervous when you're like, "Yeah, I'd really want a man to be in charge of that," and then we vote for an idiot who yeah. has no background or experience in any of that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah I got to make sure we got a man in charge of the nuclear triad and the nuclear football, and then he can't even say nuclear. He says nuclear. I thought I thought the triads were bad. I thought we were anti-gang here in America. I can't, yeah. I'd, I'll be honest. If 90% of society can even tell you what the triad is, I'd be surprised. It's a... Shocked. Pretty sure it's like a Japanese gang. Is that not? Yep, that's it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, on Nambla, <laughs> Nambla podcast. I was, I was thinking of Triad Laser Eye Clinic. <laughs> also, that <It's>, yeah, <laughs> we we're just going around the world with nuclear submarines, just you know, making sure everybody's got LASIK. <laughs> They missed one right here. They're going to hit me up. I need that. I'm tired of these glasses. Come on, guys. Anyway. That's too funny. Um, guys, uh, I opened up my Fruitcake IPA. It's good. I mean, it, it. Frank, I know you don't like vanilla. You would absolutely hate this beer. But I will say, in the big vanilla beer game, this has done well. This is very subtle, subtly vanilla. No, I can do subtle vanilla. I can't. I can't do the obviously fake vanilla. Yeah, this tastes That's really bad. When it t- when it tastes like potpourri smells in the back of your throat. Yeah, this isn't it. it this isn't that. But I know That's exactly what you're talking business. about. Yeah, creme brulee, creme brulee, and creme brulee, shove it up your ass is what that. And is, is it we, true to the fact that you can get drunk on pure vanilla? I don't think so. I think the only way to extract pure vanilla is with high high percentage alcohol. I think that's where the where that myth lies in, but okay. I don't think I, I don't I don't think you're gonna get drunk off pure vanilla. I think you're gonna vomit before you ingest enough pure vanilla to to get drunk. Probably. Um, I mean, I I've never heard that, so I'd fact check it probably on Breitbart. Ah, it's good. You know what? Go to the Daily Stormer. Type that in. Ooh, and then, <laughs> they probably say it's not pure enough. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh, it's it's from Madagascar. Do all that. Have you come to the wrong place, buddy? <laughs> Get that shit out of here, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Vanilla beans is what we want. Anyway. I don't, I, that's okay. that's all I have. Uh, you can you can get drunk off vanilla. You'd have to drink a lot, but you can't. It it has thirty to forty, thirty five to forty percent uh, alcohol. No shit. Yeah. Holy hell, Marcus! <laughs> I bought one of those Costco sized bottles of pure vanilla. It lists the following: water, alcohol, thirty five percent. Now, with 35% alcohol content, this seems like a cheap way to get very blitzed. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's about uh, 35%. And so it's like uh, people apparently get drunk off of it 
by mixing it with Coke. Wow, that's a pretty Whoa. good mix, I feel okay. like. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but no shit. <laughs> so, wow. Pure peppermint extract contains 89% alcohol, and pure lemon extract is 83% alcohol. What? So here's the thing. Um, it seems as though one of our nights, uh, we're each going to try a vanilla no, no, extract and no. Diet Coke or Coke. <laughs> Uh, it, it can do nothing to you. It is in the. We're just going to put a little shot in and see what it tastes like. A shot. So just put this in perspective, Frank. When baking with this vanilla, you're using like quarter teaspoons at a time, and you're like, "Shit, that's a lot of vanilla." Can you imagine what a fucking ounce of vanilla in twelve ounces of well, liquid? Well, that's what I'm interested in. I want to see what it tastes like. It I seems it very tastes, intense. This I bet it lady, tastes like straight up asshole juice. Well, we can probably email this lady in prison. She got a DWI in New York after she was driving around a Walmart parking lot after drinking pure vanilla extract. She had a BAC of 0.26. She was almost dead. I think this lady had a problem if she's drinking straight vanilla. She had consumed two bottles of vanilla extract. Dude, putting it on par with vodka. She had two bottles. <laughs> so do you even have? Do you have to like be twenty one to buy pure vanilla at Walmart? I think I th- man, fuck. You I can't. Don't know. No, you don't. I've bought pure vanilla so many times before. I but was have you bought pure it's vanilla or or vanilla extract? Because there is a difference. Okay. It's becoming increasingly common, especially teens, to get drunk. Homeless people at on vanilla extract. <laughs> is it? It's, am I am it, I remembering? I thought vanilla was pretty expensive as well. Is it not? No, you can buy grosses of these things now. So the pure vanilla extracts that you buy, I bet have higher concentrations of alcohol because they're much more distilled from the actual thing. Whereas I think the cheaper ones, they just take ethanol, mix it with vanilla to get the same flavor. What the fuck? Okay, like hold fake on. vanilla essence. Y'all keep this up. I've got some shit in that cabinet. I'm gonna go check this out. I'll be right back. I um, just Brian's gonna do it tonight. I I'm just interested in how did you find out about this? Dude, I I don't know. For some reason, I just was up in some random file in my head that I just accessed on my RAM. Everyday happenings in Methlahoma. Dude, yeah, I don't know. I know shit like that. Jeopardy's my favorite show again. Come on. <laughs> That's too good. Um, I mean, I've I've never. Yeah, I I would have I, I thought it was more well known. So surprisingly, I, that you had not heard that. No, up until tonight, I had not heard that. I had not heard that at all. And something, right. It's very interesting. I, yeah, I had never heard of it. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Brings a jug over number. So this is, this is straight from Mexico. <laughs> Pure vanilla, and sure as shit, the first ingredient on here is alcohol or ethyl alcohol, thirty-five percent. Wow, I had no idea. One, two. I don't know how old this vanilla is. Now that I'm looking at it, like this seems like, and it's in like but, an Aquafina bottle. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, if it's like pure grain alcohol. Does it? You know, it's not going to expire, right? I no. It's the it, Still is fine. This smells oh, like this good. smells like pain and death, and I don't think this is gonna be. 
I'm not even gonna do. It's it. We're literally Shotgun. no, not. Stop. No, you play that plastic bottle. Come on, you can't back out now. I'm not backing out of shit, Frank. If vanilla is all I'm gonna taste for the next two weeks, like that's where, <laughs> like this is enough to bake like eight, like cakes all on its own. A little goes a long way for sure. All right, do well, it. Here's the science. That's what we want. Oh. Oh, god damn. Okay. Does, does it burn like vodka? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. Oh, god, it tastes... Oh. I'm going to drink two bottles. Just process that for a second. Okay, so... Oh. First off... <laughs> first... Oh, okay, immediately don't feel well. I'm gonna be honest with you. Immediately, just don't feel good. <laughs> what kind of flavor profile did you get? Out? Water. It tastes like straight fire water. <laughs> like it is <laughs> unbelievable. Like I, when you smell vanilla, you expect it to be kind of oily, almost like there's some viscosity to it. No, it is straight. Li- <sighs> it is. It's like the runniest liquid that you can think of when it hits your tongue. And there's the, the vanilla is very underwhelming. Like you don't taste it as much as you think you would. <sighs> it, really? Yeah. No. It, like, because I wow. figured it would be like you know, I don't know when you. Now I say that. That's all. As I'm breathing, that's all I smell is just straight vanilla. I smell mm. it. Smell it retro nasal. I feel like you guys can probably smell it through the microphone, like. <laughs> But if you were to if you were to throw up, like I feel like that would taste delicious coming back up. Let me tell you right now, from, <laughs> speaking from a person who's downed a bottle of Rumplemans. <laughs> oh fuck that stuff! Hundred proof peppermint schnapps. It it's like I used to drink some Rumplemans when I'm like I I want to act like I'm not drunk, so I'll take a shot of Rumplemans and it'll smell like I just brushed my teeth. And then people <laughs> try to figure out why someone just brushed their teeth at two a.m. when they came home from the bars. What are you doing? <laughs> So, when I threw up uh, a big old pile of Rumplemans one night, it did smell like peppermint, but it also smelled like peppermint and Cadoba burritos, so that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Listen, I'm going to be honest with you, this is not an enjoyable experience. If you're drinking that, there's, you've hit a point in your life you really need to reassess some things. How about two bottles of it? Yeah, no, you go fucking just die. Just, just, wow. just lay over and just accept the warm embrace of death. This so you can sucks. believe that uh, that BAC then? Yes, yeah. And here's the deal: like ethyl alcohol, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't have ingested that. Uh, like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing else with it. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. It burns. Like, I feel, I feel where it's sitting in my stomach. My body's looking <laughs> at it. It's trying to figure out how do I approach this. This isn't the metric ton of beer that he usually consumes. How do we attack this thing? And it's just like fuck. That it's Dude. it's sitting really like hot yeah. and hard in my stomach right now. The amount that you just drank could have could have baked like sixty five cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. Like that's why that bottle was so old. It's probably from like 2000. Dude, that's how I got it when we got you used. My aunt gave it to me when I got married seven and a half years ago. 
and literally it's mm, a little over half um but i did not use it properly when i first got married because i was putting it in like coffee and shit and didn't know what i was doing may explain why your intake (laughs) i was gonna say now that i'm thinking back on it probably should put some more in there and really gotten turned at work one day (laughs) i I honestly, unless we had this conversation, I would never have guessed that it contained alcohol. Um, oh God, is it like a stabilizing oh, agent to the liquid, like to the oils, the extra, the, like vanilla extract oils, or what? Like when, because alcohol is a lower boiling temperature, so when it gets baked, it just evaporates off, leaving the super concentrated vanilla flavoring. Maybe. I- yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine they boil water and get an essence, like get a very concentrated vanilla flavor, and then the mixing it with the alcohol probably is for some, like, I don't know. Is there another country where they use this to drink? Like, it's just like I'm we're cooking with, it with alcohol. alcohol. I used to cook with, but they just get hammered on vanilla extract. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize that Parker posted a picture of me like coughing directly into the microphone and Frank's assholish face laughing at me. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> that did happen. Oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> there for a second, I thought you may like be going into cardiac arrest or something. I was really afraid I was going to vomit all over the place and I have nothing to throw up into. But hey, I, I, I don't it was know. adorable. It was very cute. I, it feels like I, it feels like I've got like vanilla cupcakes baking in my stomach right now. That's what is it, not good. Yeah, it's uh, that wasn't the smartest thing that I'd say we could have done with vanilla. But no, and I feel after, like you you now at least can understand the pain that lady went through after drinking two whole bottles. I, I feel like if I were that lady, I would have reached for that dude's the cop's gun and like yeah. let me put myself out of my misery. <laughs> Handled the situation that way. If I drink that two, that lady bottles, probably drove through the whole lawn and garden section. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. I, I now I appreciate distilled spirits. You know, like most people are like vodka getting fucked up, but the fact that you can drink vodka and not know that you're drinking vodka, it means they're actually doing something pretty well. This this vanilla thing, this thing tastes like gasoline, man. Like that's fucking terrible. <laughs> I I bet it's combustible. Shit, yeah, Especially it is. Being ethanol. At thirty five percent ethanol? Yeah. yeah. You could you could light that on fire, absolutely. Alright, cool. So guys and gals of No Beer Left Behind, I'm gonna sign off because I'm gonna either gonna throw up or I need to go to sleep, do something. Because my stomach hurts really bad. So I'm just gonna play this outro. Fuck it. Uh guys and gals, no beer left behind listeners, you're welcome. We're hitting you with science right now. <laughs> Survival science? You guys can use pure vanilla as like fire starter or something cool party trick i don't know we'll figure you you figure out whatever you want to do with vanilla extract just don't fucking drink it this shit is nasty and it'll make you do some stupid shit in a walmart parking lot okay so no beer left behind getting to the bottom of all of those facts clearly they're facts um really that's all i've got Uh, be sure to check us out on social media 
Facebook.com backslash no beer left behind. Twitter, Instagram, at no beer left cast on both of those media outlets. No beer left behind.com. Be sure you subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast apps uh, so you never miss an episode. And be sure you tell your friends. It's getting that Christmas time of year. Everybody's hanging out at the bars, talking, seeing some people you haven't seen in a long time. Go ahead and tell them, like, hey, things are going really good. I got that promotion at, at work. Yeah, making that big money. And I've changed my life by listening to No Beer Left Behind podcast. You should, too. You know, whatever. Sell it to your friends. Uh, that's all I've got. I'm going to go take some Rolaids. <clears throat> I'm out. God. Oh, goodness. Uh, this, this is Parker, uh, reporting live from the field in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, thanks for listening. Go out and buy you guys some uh, pure vanilla extract for the holidays. Real <laughs> for cheap, on the cheap. Trying to save money, I get it. You know, a bunch of Christmas presents you still gotta buy. Get some pure vanilla. You don't even have to be 21. Check it out, kids. Parker in far, far south Wichita, Kansas. Frank, far, far south, Kansas City, Kansas. Um, make sure you get your Goodyear, Goodyear Welt shoes. Um, that's really what you're going to go with here. Uh, have a great rest of your week. I'm out.